Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Record Talk Listen. My name is Lydia and thank you so much for joining me. On today's show, we feature Johnny O. He is back and better than ever with a brand new episode about uh, our U.S. government and what's going on. Today, we discuss the Affordable Care Act and how its repeal in the House kind of failed, why it failed, and also um, some interesting rules the Senate has to help maybe propel a bill forward into a law quicker than normal, um, some filibustering information. And then also we talk a little bit about single payer systems and hint at a few budgetary things that could have influenced the increasing costs of healthcare um, that everybody is experiencing now. So that's a ton of information. And we highly recommend that you listen to the episode more than one time. And if you haven't listened to Johnny O's previous episodes, they're all on our website. And that is recordtalklisten.com. So go there, listen to those. They're fantastic, full of information. While you're on our website, we highly encourage you to look a little to the right and there is a donate button. You can click there and support your local podcast. Or if you are a business or you want to sponsor the show, you know, send us an email. We would love to help you do that. So Johnny O is going to be a staple on Record Talk Listen. He is our uh, go-to political political guru. So we're very lucky to have him. And so without further ado, let's get right into the episode with Johnny O. Johnny O, you're back. I'm back. Thanks for having me. Always. And um, with you, you bring knowledge. I do my best. That's good. So today, what's the topic we're talking about today? Today, we're going to talk about healthcare reform. Oh. The recent, the recent initiative by the Republican-dominated Congress. Well, it, that failed. That failed. Yes. Yeah. Thank goodness for that. Oh. Um, so uh, it was called the Affordable Care Act. This one was called, yes, the original one. It's Okay, let's start. Um, the initiative that just failed mm-hmm. has been called a number of different things. Yeah, it's like the American... The American Health Care Act. Yeah. Uh, Americans for the best best and brightest or something. Right. That's crazy um, names. It was basically the repeal and replace initiative for Obamacare. Mm-hmm. Technically called the Patient Affordable Care Act. Right. Now, before we start talking about that, let me just throw my two cents in about the uh, nicknaming of bills. Mm -hmm. I think it was a serious problem that Democrats uh, pushed or even allowed the Affordable Care Act to be labeled as Obamacare. I agree with you. I think there's um, a significant part of the population, including those some of our elected officials in Washington, Mm who have made it their goal since Mr. Obama's first election to uh, hinder him. Yeah. I remember a report by Mitch McConnell, Senator Mitch McConnell, uh, in a closed-door session, which, of course, leaked, as everything in Washington does, Mm -hmm. saying that his top priority was to ensure that Obama was a one-term president. Now, that didn't quite work out Mm -hmm. because majority of the voting population disagreed with him, so he got two terms. But here we are with repeal and replace as a primary objective of the Republican-dominated Congress. Mm -hmm. And I'm not unconvinced. I'll listen to anyone who wants to talk to me about it, but I'm not unconvinced it's this repeal and replace initiative is not because it's an Obama initiative. Uh, That's from the President Obama. 
right. for whatever reason, because he's a Democrat or because he was a black, the first black president, a combination of the two of them, uh, a variety of factors. Mm-hmm. I think that made it more of a top priority. Yeah, I think it's fear-based more than anything. Could very um, well be, You yes. know, because I feel like it's something that is outside of the clutches of what they feel is safe right. and secure. Um, not saying that that makes it any better. I think that right. that just um, psychologically that maybe that's what's happening. That's true. That could very well be, yes. Um, but... I mean, look also at the number of people, again, to follow up my point, look at the number of people who don't know that Obamacare and the Affordable Care Act are the same thing. I know. It's an, an astonishing amount of numbers. They've done a lot of research on that. Right. Very fact. And So using Obamacare, great. it's great lauds for the mm-hmm. ex-president. Right. But it allows the opposition to hide the fact that when they appeal when they appeal to the public against Obamacare mm-hmm. it's actually the Affordable Care Act that benefited literally millions of people right and, uh, and they they've done a, a subsequently since they've come out with this repeal and they've presented their they presented the bill the Great American Healthcare Act right. of 2017 um, a lot of people didn't realize that they in fact voted for the person who was going to take away their health care exactly because so. they thought it was Obamacare not right. the Affordable Care Act right. and that's anyway that's just my little two cents about naming things call it by its appropriate name and I think that it's a good way for people at large in the public to encourage calling it the Affordable Health Care Act right. instead of doing the nickname exactly um, yes. so have it part be a part of the nomenclature that you are going to use the appropriate term exactly uh, call it by the number if you want exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would get really confusing yeah, it yeah. Was. <laughs> but Which I agree that? with you yeah like, stick with the uh, the official language or the official abbreviation if you sure. want anything like that and we're but struggling enough. with the Republican name because it has I changed know. so many yeah. times so um, and now they want they're not sure they want to call it Trump care or Ryan care or right. Republic care mm-hmm. or right one of the less polite ones I heard was I don't care right <laughs> Well, that would that would be probably the most accurate. <laughs> so, but what I'd like to, to talk to you about tonight is uh, rather than the particulars of the health care bill, although mm-hmm. I'm sure that'll come up in conversation. Sure. But um, try to shed some light on the process and how a bill becomes a law and how this particular one was scheduled to become a law and maybe why it did not. Okay, that sounds great. So uh, the first thing is, we all know there are two houses of Congress, and they both have to consider a piece of legislation. Mm-hmm. The repeal and replace, the new health care bill, is a piece of legislation, just like anything else. For it to become law, it has to be considered by the House and the Senate. But this is going to be a spending bill, and by law, spending bills have to be <coughs> initiated in the House. Hence, the bill that got pulled from consideration was a House piece of legislation. Mm -hmm. Had it been voted successfully through the House, it would have then been turned over to the Senate. Mm -hmm. The reason they went the particular path that they did was because the the Senate has some pretty funky rules of procedure. Mm -hmm. And as many people know, one of the most interesting ones is called the filibuster. Yes. Normally, a piece of legislation gets passed if it gets more than 50% of the votes. So there are 50 senators, uh, 
excuse me, there are 100 senators. If 51 of them vote yes, the bill moves on. Mm -hmm. A filibuster allows any particular senator to block movement on any piece of legislation until he or she agrees to basically stop talking. Right. If anybody's seen the old movie, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, Mm -hmm. there's Jimmy Stewart up there just talking and talking and reading the phone book. And and this is actually true. People have read the Bible. People have read phone books, the Washington, D.C. district phone book. Yeah. Adam Anderson. Right. And just go through because you have to keep talking. And so this is a really weird rule. Nobody has this in any place else. But in order to end a filibuster... Two things. One, the senator who is doing it says, okay, done. Then Moving you can on. move on. Right. Uh, until he or she does, everything stalls. Everything stalls. Nothing can be considered. Mm-hmm. The other way is that the Senate can vote with a supermajority, 60 votes, to end the filibuster. So when you hear people talk about legislation in the Senate and uh, the commentator says, well, they don't have 60 votes. So they're not going to put it up for a vote because they're afraid. And you think, well, why? All you need is 51. Mm-hmm. They're afraid that the other guys, in this case it's the minority, but it would be the Democrats, they're the other guys, right. will filibuster it. So they want a filibuster-proof uh, process right. or legislation. Now, another funky rule that they have is called, in the Senate, um, the, budget resu- uh, the budget reconciliation process. Okay. In this process, a piece of legislation gets considered as a budget issue. Okay. Only a money issue. And the Senate has approved rules that say this particular type of legislation, money issues only, not Mm -hmm. substance, doesn't have to have 60. It can be passed by a simple majority. In other words, you can't filibuster it. Interesting. So... Apparently, this is the logic from the commentators I've read, the Republicans in the House and the Senate decided that they would use the budget reconciliation process from the Senate to push it through because, as many are aware, the Senate in the Senate there are only 52 Republicans and 48 Democrats. Mm-hmm. So by themselves, the Republicans can't get to the magic 60 number. They can't get to the filibuster-proof number. Right. So they didn't want to run it as a regular piece of legislation. They wanted to run it as a budget. As a budget piece. But here's the problem. They never actually passed a budget in 2016. That's right. So the budget reconciliation has to, you have to have a budget passed. And in that budget, it provides rules for the reconciliation process, which they didn't do. Mm -hmm. So they're like, okay, now what? To complicate things, another priority for the Republicans is tax reform. Yes. And their proposal is to also run this through the budget reconciliation process, again, to stop Democrats from filibustering it. Yes. 51 instead of 60. And if all the Republicans in the Senate vote yes... They got one extra vote. Mm -hmm. But the Senate rules say you can't do two issues under one budget reconciliation. You have to have a single one. So they picked health care because, again, apparently the logic said we are not going to repeal and replace 
we're just going to repeal, mm-hmm. and then we'll spend time crafting a replacement. Well, between negotiations, from what I understand, between the House and the White House, mm-hmm. that got changed to what is being called repeal and replace. Right. So uh, the Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, uh, and his team come up quickly with a replacement proposal. R- right. And that's what recently failed. But in order for them to put that forward under the Senate rules, they had to quickly pass a Budget Reconciliation Act with instructions, mm-hmm. which both houses did. In other words, after the fact, they said, okay, here's what we're going to do. Here's the 2016, actually it's a 2017 budget mm-hmm. because the fiscal year ends, starts in October. Right. It's another weird thing. We'll talk about that some other time when maybe sure. we talk about the budget process. Absolutely. So they said, okay, we're going to fix this. We're going to do the budget that we're now in, the 2017 one. Here's the process. We got this bill passed. And then the Senate did the exact same thing. It was about three weeks ago. There was a big brouhaha in the newspapers about uh, the Senate has just voted to take away your Medicare and Medicaid and all right, the rest. Right, right. That's what they were actually talking about. Okay. The Senate pushed through a, a reconciliation. This, if, if this bill passed... They had the groundwork laid to just, to just do, do 51 simple majority mm. to pass it from the House. Wow. Right. My head hurts just explaining it to you. It's difficult. <laughs> so I guess we should do maybe I'll try to summarize it as best I can. So in order for the budget, the bill to pass, the the repeal and replace, right. you have to have and to get it through Senate, which is probably the most trickiest part for this, these Republicans. Correct. They don't um, have a solid majority. They don't have a solid majority. They don't have a 60-plus right. filibuster-proof. So they have to kind of be scheming a little bit right. and say, all right, we're going to lay, we're going to we're going to go ahead and approve a budget reconciliation in hopes that it pa- this bill, repeal and replace, passes through the House, lands Which in the Senate. Which it should because they have the majority they to should, do it. They should, but, you know, thank yeah. goodness it didn't. And it lands and then in the it, Senate. And it lands in the Senate, and then they go, oh, because we've laid this nice train track of policy Uh we can just go ahead and approve it with one extra vote as a budget issue as a budget issue yeah rather than a substantive issue and just vote the money right and with the money comes the actual policy it's not to be fair to the republicans they're not the only ones who have done it no this is not a new thing they just made up no obviously. but it still sounds you know, a little on the crafty side to the average person. I agree. Yeah, I agree. But that was the plan. The only real problem was the bill was crappy. Yeah, it was awful. It was like, it seemed that nobody liked it. The best thing that people seemed to be saying was, it's not Obamacare. Well, okay. And because, again, we get back to my original point, the Obamacare labeling caused people to jump on the bandwagon. Right. Oh, it's not Obamacare. Yeah, so it's it's by definition better. The problem is that the Democrats, of course, found fault with it, and in my opinion, legitimately. Yes. The conservative Republicans, the so-called Freedom Caucus, Mm -hmm. they found fault with it because it wasn't fiscally conservative enough for them. Mm -hmm. So there goes the House Republican majority. Right. Um, 40... 
I thought it was 43 members of the Freedom Caucus. I could be mistaken about that. I think it was a pretty big majority. It is. It's at least three dozen. Okay. I think more than that. But that drops the Republican majority down below the actual majority numbers. Right, right, right. And the Democrats don't want to deal with it. So there you go. Right. Now, here's the last thing about the process for now. Mm-hmm. The reason they didn't vote, people are like, well, why did they just vote? Then you could say up or down, you know? Right. Well, no. If you vote and it fails, it's dead for the session. So all the groundwork before is right. null and void. So mm-hmm. you have to do that all over again. Exactly. And then that's just too risky. And you can't do it until next year. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Now, I read an article or a, a piece suggesting that um, uh, Bennion is now talking about it's not dead. No, Bannon. Yeah, Bannon. Bannon right. mm-hmm. I gave it a little flair at the end. I of did. Uh, yeah, I noticed. <laughs> I was like, hmm, Bannon. Uh, he's talking about how it's not dead, even though Mr. Trump last week said, do it or not. Right. He said, move on. You know, either vote for it or mm-hmm. don't. Oh, no. we're done with I'm done with it. Right. Seems I mean, like he's walked away from it entirely. One of the interesting things I've been reading about Mr. Trump is people have now been going back and reading his book, mm-hmm. The Art of the Deal. Yes. Which I have to admit I've not read. I haven't either. But they, uh, what's one very interesting comment came up repeatedly that you read this and it's, it's right out of the art of the deal. You got to be able to walk away. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, is it the Kenny Rogers, um, no one to hold on, right. no one to hold on, <laughs> no one to walk away? That could very well be it. Okay. Yes, uh-huh. Well, then there you go. But here's the deal that in the art of the deal, he's talking about contractors. Congress people are not contractors. In this <laughs> case, the Freedom Caucus, it was all men. So these mm-hmm. congressmen are not contractors. No. Um, I just don't think that the tactics to use with a contractor who might be a bit more hungry for your deal to build a Trump Tower True. than a long-term congressperson from Texas or Iowa Who's or looking wherever, at you going, New York. You're so new to this job, you have right, no idea. Like, uh, yeah, remember... Um, I got to answer to my people back home. Right. I could lose my job over mm-hmm. this. Uh, so uh, it, it was very interesting parallels. And is, if yeah. I ever get bored with what I'm working on, I might <laughs> take the time to read the pick book. Up, pick it up yeah. at the library so you don't support his publisher. There you go. Yeah, exactly. You go. Yeah. So after they, 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 they were supposed to pass uh, uh, the new health care act, mm-hmm. they were then going to do another budget for 2018, which is the one they're actually supposed to be working on now. Right, because isn't it? Because they want to do tax reform bill uh-huh. later on in the spring so that they would, you know, sort of backdoor last year's budget. Yes. And then front door the budget that they're working on for next year. Right. And then they could do the, the reconciliation. The act. same sort of fill it up, fill, filibuster proof again. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's really kind of odd. Yeah, it is strange. I mean, I I, I think this is, I don't. Th- I'm not happy with this current administration. I just want to put that out there. Right. Um, well, but I will say this: it is interesting to because of all of the crafty workmanship of well working within the constitutional law of the Senate and the House. Right. How now it's being, now people I think are going, okay, wait, 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 I had no idea that that was a possibility. Exactly. So at least it's shedding light on some civic, well, that's, civics that you might have missed or forgotten about. I hope so, because yeah. this is, that was kind of the purpose for me 
using this particular spin for our conversation sure. tonight. This is an arcane rule that you don't find anywhere else. Right, right. This is the rarefied world of the Senate. Mm-hmm. And this is legitimate. This is the way it works. It's so, mind-blowing. And I mean, even with the Elizabeth Warren situation with the Jeff Senator Sessions. Right. That was a Senate rule. Exactly. And you're like, where did that come from? You know? That, yeah. They, they have a lot of really funky little rules yeah. that they can dig up when they want to. When and it's convenient for them. Each one of the, the, the parties pays somebody to be their parliamentarian. Okay. Uh, so basically tracking the regular rules sure. of procedure and the uh, rules specific to the Senate. Mm-hmm. So that's just a little research project away. Yeah. And then your boss knows that if somebody says something that you don't like, there's a way around it. Mm. And then Senator Warren got chastised for, you cannot make disparaging comments. About other senators. About other senators. Mm-hmm. You are allowed to make disparaging comments about other people. Mm-hmm. But it's designed to, I guess in the old days, they would call each other nasty names and stuff. Right, it was sort of like a... Um, anti-bullying situation right. from, I mean, you know, from the 1890s, from the 1890s yes. like don't tell me my wig is awful right. you know something well, of that nature in the 1890s a, a disparaging comment may have led to a duel so that's true that might i mean let's, let, let's not be hamilton well. here <laughs> i mean like come on exactly yeah yes so i mean but i do want to make it clear i don't think that i think that both parties utilize these rules sure. To their advantage, they equally. Absolutely do. Not, yes. and I don't. I don't want to dehumanize or only blame one side. Right. So I just want to be very clear that we, we both and agree. Equal oh, play, equal play for both parties. And there are rules that the minority party uses. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, they don't have the votes, and the filibuster again is sure. the classic rule. Yeah, it is. You never hear the majority party filibustering. Why would they? Why? It's a waste exactly. of time, really. And that is the way it's intended to slow down the process. I think it's good. I think it's not just people full of wind trying to get their point across, but it might slow things down enough so mm-hmm. people can go, hmm, that's an interesting point. I never gave it that a thought. Um, yeah. And that, that can help. True. But to play devil's advocate here, mm-hmm. that's what they have the committee system for as well. Right. Uh, in the old days when the uh, Senate was just a handful of 26 senators, right. they didn't have support staff. They deliberated as a body. They were all the committees. Right. Now that you have a committee on uh, soybean, wheat, and other... Some, I did a pro- project on that once, sadly. I can't remember the last thing. <laughs> and a, a committee on this and a committee on that. Sure. Those are supposed to be the deliberative You're supposed to get through mechanisms. all of that stuff before you get to the so vote. That, right. Yeah. yeah. But I can understand. Change is very difficult. It is. Especially, uh, you know, for older older people well if you're the ones who are benefiting from it mm-hmm. i mean this is why the the so-called nuclear option that they're talking about yeah with the supreme court candidate people are real hesitant uh, in the senate mm-hmm. to support that yeah because republicans now realize it wasn't that long ago they were on the other side of the fence yep and that was their primary weapon democrats same thing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that long ago they were a majority, but now all they have are procedural rules. Yeah. So one change like that will 
change the dynamics of the Senate. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying that's why people are so hesitant. Well, I think it's good to be a little leery of anything with the name nuclear attached to it. Um, because it's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, I just think everybody should go, mm, okay, let's take a beat and let's right. see if this is really something we want to really want to use that, that card for. And that was also an issue with the uh, the repeal and replace health care. Mm-hmm. It went through so quickly. Yeah. That frightened a number of people. Because the only thing, take everything else out of the equation mm-hmm. other than me as a congressperson trying to get reelected. Oh my God, yeah. The only thing that's showing up in the newspaper are negative comments about how premiums are going to go up and people are going to lose their insurance. Mm-hmm. So without the ability to spin it to your constituents, right. this comes up for a vote so quickly, all they have to think about between now and the next election, which granted is the two better part away. of two years away, mm-hmm. is what they're reading now. Right. There's also the great advantage of multiple minds deliberating over a potential solution and trying to make it better, come up with something more appropriate. Mm-hmm. But just from a PR perspective, this is bad PR. Awful. People who hit the media first were the critics mm-hmm. because there were a lot of them. There's a ton, Yeah. I would say I didn't see anything positive about that. And this there was bill. a lot to criticize, yeah. exactly. I think there was one Wall Street Journal article that that's it didn't support it in any right. way, but it didn't not say it wasn't great for right people, certain people. The best it seemed we could find was an article that wasn't virulently critical. Yeah, yeah. There was lukewarm support, and again, a lot of those were just bec- a lot of those focused on Obamacare is horrible. Oh, my favorite, Mr. Trump used this expression as well. Obamacare is about to explode. Yeah, and the reason I don't, I don't buy it. I mean, people yeah. are still purchasing health care. They're still yeah. going through the states, and they're still doing the appropriate procedures. Well, there are legitimate complaints about the way the Affordable Health Care Act works. Yes. For example, notably, there are, uh, Southern Californians mm-hmm. are really ticked off because apparently there's only one provider, insurance provider out there. But why is that? Well, there's a legitimate reason for that from the insurance company's perspective. Remember, insurance companies are businesses. Mm-hmm. They run on a business profit-based model. Yep. The When the Obama administration and the legislature at the time decided not to go with a single-payer option mm-hmm. to use the existing um, insurance company markets. Sure. The existing infrastructure. They had to find uh, an incentive structure for insurance companies to participate. Mm-hmm. With the change in uh, the Affordable Care Act, mandating that everybody gets insurance, one of the things was that more people, particularly young people, traditionally healthier people, mm-hmm. would be paying in, so that would boost company profits yep. to offset um, people with pre-existing conditions who used to be denied, Yes, older people who yep. had to be char- who could be charged higher premiums because mm-hmm. they had- They're know, higher risk. Yeah. More meds, more procedures. Yeah. But still, everybody knew that the Affordable Care Act was going to cost insurance companies money mm-hmm. for at least a decade. Right. So they built into the plan a payback 
from the government to absorb that risk. That's the risk you have to take. They call it a risk corridor. Yeah. The risk that you're going to lose money until the market stabilizes and absorbs the shocks. And then you'll make money. Then you'll make money. Right. So they put in a risk corridor for a decade. Mm -hmm. Basically, the risk corridor means that you show me a piece of paper at the end of the year that shows me how much money you lost, and we will pay for it. Sure. Out of the money that the Affordable Care Act was raising. Mm -hmm. Here's what happened. 2015, the end of the year, they needed to pass a bill or else the government was going to shut down again. So they had to pass this funding bill. So a bunch of Republican senators, including Mr. Rubio, apparently inserted language into the bill that reduced the risk corridor payments, estimated to be about $2.9 billion that year, mm-hmm. to $400 million. So they took $2.5 billion out that was supposed to be reimbursed to insurance companies. Right. Now, it's not really hard to imagine why insurance companies started dropping out after that. No, I mean, it makes total sense. The guarantee that they had that the government was going to absorb the loss for them for a decade was stripped. And I want to also point out to people that have noticed that their premiums have gone up. It's due to that. Right. And so you can send a nice thank you note to uh, Marco Rubio. Right. Um, But that's why, because they're not, they have to be able to assess the risk in another way. And so in order to do that, they have to raise premiums across the board. So had that um, not been in, had they not removed that for their budget and the Affordable Care Act probably would have been just fine because everybody's premiums would have been stabilized by now. And at least one of the complaints about it would have been null and void. Right. The insurance companies would probably not have dropped. No. Your premiums might still have gone up. Right. Because we have out of control costs for drugs in this country, for example. That That's a yes. And there are different of opinions about this, but I tend to think that one of the potential reasons is that uh, under Mr. Bush, we signed a law that said the government would not negotiate over Medicare costs for prescription drugs. Right, which I don't understand. They negotiate with everything else, so why not prescription drugs? The great advantage of economy of scale Mm -hmm. is that you have this negotiating power. Right. Uh, If you are a hotel and you're purchasing a laundry service, the fact that you have five hotels, 1,500 rooms versus one hotel with five rooms Mm -hmm. gives you that much more bargaining power. Yeah. So to have stripped that seems to me to be at least a contributing factor to the continuing escalation of drug costs in this country. Mm-hmm. And that's always going to add to higher premiums. Right. So what's your opinion on single-payer systems? I'm in favor of it. I mean, you could probably guess that from what I just said. Sure. I mean, the negotiating power, the insurance companies, they make a lot of money. They that's do. their job. Mm-hmm. A byproduct is they help pay for our health care. But yeah. it's a byproduct. Their primary, I mean, they're a for-profit business. Mm-hmm. If they could sell hot dogs and make as much money, they'd do that. They'd transfer to that. Mm-hmm. Single pay. It seems to me a single pay with the focus on health care and health maintenance yeah. would be a lot cheaper, a lot more effective. Completely agree. And uh, you know, we were talking about this earlier. It would provide such great peace of mind. To the American population. I agree. I mean, I see patients that I 
I have seen patients that came into the office needing things because they had the Affordable Care Act and they said, I'm so happy I have this. I can actually get services that I need. Right. Um, now, you know, that would just be, it's a huge peace of mind to exactly. somebody that can say, oh, I don't have to worry about paying my electric bill or going to the hospital because I think I might be having a, that, some sort of an event that needs medical attention. That is one of the most amazing, amazingly disappointing features of U.S. society. Yeah. That we are one of the wealthiest countries in the world. And yet we have a substantial amount of our population that is concerned about being able to provide needed drugs, yeah. treatments, or preventative medicine for, let's just narrow it down to the real heartstring people, the kids. Oh my Won't God. someone yeah. think of the children? Right, I know, and it's true. And, it, and if you are thinking of the poor people that can't get access to health and education, education's now a problem too. Right. Um, you know, their federal government subsidizes Medicaid programs right. and that also includes, you know, you know, WIC and everything else. So right. that's all affecting children. And um, it's not just the poor people. Right. Because the... The um, working poor. How about that? The working poor, what we would call the middle class, mm -hmm. um, the working middle class, the lower middle class, uh, all have the same types of anxieties about paying the bills. Yeah. And that's problematic. It is. So, single pay, I'm not sure it's a solution to everything, mm -hmm. but I think it would go a long way towards helping with this particular issue. I think it, it would be nice. I mean, just as a provider, from a provider standpoint, being able to say to somebody, yeah, it's covered, and right. you know, and it, and it would drive the, co the ex exponential cost of health exactly. um, down to a manageable One of the things rate. we don't really consider is, when you run a business and you have to, you got to fill out paperwork, mm -hmm. you have to pay somebody, that takes time. Yeah. That's an added cost to running your business. So you think about a healthcare provider, you just think about the doctor, the nurse, the physician's assistant, the PT that you see. Mm -hmm. No, don't forget all those people in the office. The, the support staff. Exactly. Somebody who answers the phone, schedules that appointment, does all your intake. Then right. you have somebody that bills, calls the insurance company, exactly. does the accounts receivable. It's a lot of people. Right. And it's a lot of work. And the more paperwork you add to it, the more you add to the cost. Mm -hmm. It's a simple fact of, you know, the largest part of most organizations' costs are salaries. Yeah. Add a new job, paperwork for insurance, add a new cost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Simplify I mean, it, it. Simplify it. Simplify it. Simplify I mean, that's the other thing. It's, it's you know, if you knew exactly what was covered, what wasn't covered, you could budget. So if you have something right. that you knew was not covered by your insurance, but you wanted to participate in doing that particular procedure, exactly. you would be able to know what that was going to be. Exactly. I and mean, as long as we're talking about the economics of it, um, repeal and replace seems to me to be, because they're suggesting that it's not dead because mm. it didn't get voted on so they can still bring it up again. Sure. The uncertainty that it produces uh, increased costs mm -hmm. for providers. Yeah. Insurance companies, they don't want to lose money. So what happens if 20 million Americans are dropped from insurance rolls? That's even if they're getting paid for by the Affordable Care Act. Mm -hmm. 
or subsidize. That's 20 million Americans that are no longer giving money to insurance companies. Right. Insurance companies, businesses in general, like stable environments, they can plan spending, budgeting, uh, expenditures, expected revenues. Mm -hmm. Uncertainties throws that all out of kilter. Right. And people start doing strange things. Like, for example, you hike up costs just in case. Right. So you pad, you're padding it a right. little bit. Yeah. And once cost goes up, they it very, very rarely, rarely drop back down. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's not like gas. It is, it's like, right. it's pretty it's consistent. Yeah, for the longest time, gas never went down That's either. That's true. It's amazing that we've had these fluctuations I know. recently. I know. I mean, I just, I think that people should really consider these politicians, these people that either you voted for or against, right are making decisions that directly affect you exactly. and the people you love. Yes. And there's no better way to really correlate that than with your health. Right. So somebody is voting on potential life-saving things for you in the future or against life-saving right. things for you in the future. So exactly. if you're not going to pay attention to other things, at least pay attention. Everybody seems to be so self-righteous and only self, self-absorbed. Exactly. What is more important than your own personal health? Exactly. So maybe you should, this is maybe a wake up call for people right. to get involved. Sure. Um, and pay they, attention. Pay it to pay attention. Read. It takes time, but it the internet helps so much these days. It does. You can get it, and go out of your comfort zone. Read if the other you're side. A Fox News uh, aficionado, mm -hmm. go to another website. Right. Some go to the enemy's website. Somebody else. Yeah, MSNBC. Go look at, uh, yeah, the Washington Post. <laughs> Washington Post is has been doing a lot of online. Um, They've been doing lot, a lot of coverage. Yes. A lot of coverage, uh, multiple times a day on different mm -hmm. stories as they're yep. developing. They're doing a lot of. If you are a Facebook person, right? They do a lot of Facebook lives with Congress people as they're yes. coming out of committee meetings, as they're going exactly. into other meetings. So if you really are wanting to be engaged. You can do that, and you don't have to watch them live. You can always go back and watch them. Exactly. Um, and talk to your congressperson, even if it's not face-to-face, -face, even if it's not on the phone. The phone call is really easy, though. Phone call takes five seconds. You just have to say, I am opposed to this. Right. Or I'm in favor of this. Mm -hmm. Or or an email. An email And then put good. at the end, uh, just, I have a question about the initiative to change the health care system. Right. Uh, please provide me with information I, and you'd be surprised how frequently you get email responses which is good so i mean the worst case scenario you try to contact them you don't get a response hopefully right. you do get a response now there was a little bit of some controversy about town hall meetings right. but i do think that they are it's an important thing to show up for because I if agree you with are you. you are they work for you. Exactly right. So, I was just going to say that. They <laughs> yeah, work for you. Keep that in you. mind. Yeah. So if you're not happy with um, right. somebody who's working for you, it's not exactly. good enough to go home and put your head under the covers and right. hope it, it goes away. And if you can go to a town hall or a meeting with your representative, go ahead. That's great. Yeah. And don't let them walk away from you. I was appalled no, when oh I saw God. that. Of course, the media tends to sensationalize things. They probably pick the ones where it happened and ignored the ones where it didn't. I have a feeling that a lot of the um, GOP um, representatives in the House went home and spoke to a lot of their people. Right. And they were um, shocked at the response right. and came back and hopefully have some sort of moral compass and yes. said, you know what? 
this is not going to be good for or me or my constituents. At least a better sense of self-preservation. Right. Boy, if I go through with this, they're going to vote they're my vote butt me out, out of here. Right, exactly. Yeah. And they're yeah. Gonna, yeah. Even self-preservation will work if it gets you to the right end. I, yeah, I mean, so that's whatever card you can play to yeah. help preserve your right. particular viewpoint, then and I think go for it. That the Democrats have been guilty of the same I agree. in the past when they were not the minority. We have we seemingly have developed a culture where the political elite, to use the term that they bandy around a bit, mm-hmm. um, don't always listen to the rank and file. Right. Republican Party, Democratic Party, uh, is more important than you know, like Republicans, mm-hmm. the citizens, or right. Democrats, the citizens. Right. Uh, I saw a very discouraging comment about how they're talking about the potential for impeachment of Trump or investigation of President Trump. And one of the Republican representatives suggest, uh, retired suggested that he just didn't see the percentage on it, in it for Republicans to investigate one of their own. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, that's party before all else. And that is problematic. I realize yeah. the parties play a significant role in our electoral system mm-hmm. and our governing system. We wouldn't, we'd have a lot of holes if the parties weren't there. That's true. But that was very disheartening to me. Yeah, I don't think it's because, just because you are labeling yourself a Republican, that doesn't cloak you in protection from the law. And right. I think that that needs to, and, and I, I really hope that, um, a lot of these issues that affect the American people are not partisan issues. Right. And I feel like just because you're a Republican or a Democrat doesn't mean you're not a human being right. first. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that, I mean, I'm hoping that both sides will mature enough right. to a point where they can work together mm-hmm. to actually make positive and lasting change versus right. this tit for tat situation. Exactly. Yeah. And if you're, you're an elected representative and you're from a largely Republican district, mm-hmm. And if people come into your town hall and they start yelling and saying, shame on you, do your job, and they happen to be Democrats who live in your district, too bad. You They're represent your constituents them. as well. You took on the role of representing the entirety of your district. Exactly. Not just a select few. And that's one of the problems. I think both Democrats and Republicans, when they draw the lines in their constituencies, mm-hmm. in their states, so that it's mostly Republican or mostly Democrat. Yeah. You get this insularity that you don't have to talk to the other people. You're only talking to yourself. Because you yourselves. don't need them to yeah. further your own agenda. And that may be encouraging more what some political uh, analysts are suggesting is more extremism. Mm-hmm. The Republicans are going more right. The Democrats more left. That's a topic for another time as well. Right, but yeah. Uh, yeah, you are elected to represent everybody, people who disagree with you as well. Right. So, so I mean, it goes both ways. So. Yeah. If you agree with your congressperson, tell him or her. If you disagree, them, yeah. same thing. I, I think it's also good if you, uh, in this, especially if your party happens to be the minority party, it's easy to think that they're being, oh, they're the victims. It's right. easy to victimize exactly. them. Exactly. I don't think that you should you should do that. I think you should basically be supportive of their policies and, and right. things of that, if you do support them. Be the change you want to see type of approach. That's it. Yeah. I agree. You can sit back in despair or you can try to do something about that's it. That's it. I mean, that's... And really, just those little things like a 10-second phone call. You won't talk to your congressperson. You'll talk to a staffer. Mm-hmm. 
But their job is to write your name down. You just say, hi, my name is John O'Rourke. I'm in congressperson so-and-so's district. Mm-hmm. I vote. Yes. And I want to say I don't like the bill that's being under consideration. Right. Please vote no on, well, most recently in the state of Maryland, we had an uh, anti-fracking initiative. Yes. And I called my representative, and I called the representative of the, I called the office of the um, president, s- Senate president, mm-hmm. and 10 seconds later, each call, I had registered my name and my disappointment, or my opinion. Your opinion, yeah. About the legislation. Boom, yeah. done. Go on with my life. I honestly feel like if you it's feel- It's a free call, too. I know, it's an 800 number. Isn't uh, that fantastic? Um, but I also feel like if you are feeling in despair and just really sad and depressed about this whole thing, the way to get out of that depression yeah. is to get engaged. And so it, how easy for you to be like, I made it, I, it might not make a huge difference, but you're, you're getting your voice, you're being right. heard exactly. and you're expressing yourself to a point. And if it does, something positive does hap- happen. Like really? for instance, this anti-fracking thing, exactly. nobody thought they could do it. Well, guess right. what? They, they did, did do it. it. Yes. Um, so imagine the euphoria they feel that success. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So have that euphoria 10 seconds a day. Exactly. Exactly right. <laughs> and don't forget, check out news sources that are not to your liking. Yeah. Be uh, well-rounded. You still don't have to agree with them. No. But you have to read what they say. Because they might, they might surprise you. Right. And if you're looking at sources that don't provide information, look elsewhere. Yeah. Look, you got your own opinion. You don't need somebody else's. That's true. I mean, op-eds are okay, but you really are after the facts. Right. Yeah. Just the facts, ma'am. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. So I, I'm so happy that you came back. I'm so happy you invited me back. I, I really appreciate the opportunity. And people love your podcast. They've been <laughs> listened to thousands of times all over the world. So I know people do definitely appreciate Well, that's your very nice to hear. I'm glad that somebody's listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Yes. Um, well, thank you so much. And, and um, next time, maybe we'll talk budget. Budget is definitely looming, and it's on my agenda, so I'd be happy to come back and talk as soon as we get a little bit more info on what's coming down. Sure. So if people out there have questions for Johnny O about anything political or what's going on, topical or not, send us an email, and we'll get the questions to Johnny O, and and we'll answer them on the great podcast. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. For more information on what you've heard on today's show and a direct link to how you can find who represents you in the state and federal level, go to our website and that is recordtalklisten.com. There you'll find all the previous 101 episodes of this podcast. Also, previous episodes of Johnny O featuring uh, Brexit, how the elections work, and also an executive orders podcast, which I highly recommend. Um, Check them out. You can listen to them for free. If you like, you can also subscribe to the podcast and that couldn't be any easier. We have direct links right on the right-hand side of our website. We are on iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast Republic, and Google Play. So you hit subscribe and every Sunday, a new episode will show up on your listening device. You can take us with you on long car trips, walks around the neighborhood, and or folding laundry or doing tedious household tasks. We make it much easier for you and we keep you entertained, hopefully. If you would love to sponsor the podcast, we would we would love to have you. Um, so basically, if you're a local business or a national business and you listen to the podcast and you think, my goodness, 
there are thousands of people that listen to this uh, podcast every week. Uh, uh, I should advertise. We agree with you. So if that sounds like something you want to do and get the word out about your products or services or who you are in general, uh, send us an email at recordtalklisten at gmail.com and we can make that happen for you. We love our listeners. Without you, we wouldn't have this. So we'd love to hear from you with positive, negative. If you want us to interview somebody or if you yourself would like to come on the podcast, make sure to contact us. We are on Twitter at RTL pod or on Facebook at facebook.com slash record tech listen. And an old fashioned email always gets through at record tech listen at gmail.com. This has been another episode of Record Talk Listen, where I hit record, people talk, and hopefully you listen. Until next time, thank you so much. Mm-hmm.